Of course, you probably already know this. Elon Musk says that space is hard. You've heard that, right? Well, if, if you have ever worked with innovation or even change, you know that innovation and change can be hard. But let's be really clear. It's, uh, it's another thing altogether, right? That's if you're trying to get people, consumers, employees, and others to change. Humans actually love change if it's their idea. This event is where we focus on change. We focus on innovation. Welcome to our Wednesday live event from the Encouragers on the Clubhouse app. We call this Wednesday event Innovation and Audio. There's really no other place on earth where you can meet our guests together and hear their story. If you make your living from the business of audio, or let's say you just love innovation, this event was created for you. Last week, Disruptor Steve Caldwell talked to us about how Home Depot almost destroyed their brand by reducing their strategic goals and focusing on efficiency to the point where creativity was all but eliminated. If you focus on your customers, uh, uh, that's really uh, uh, that's really something that business has to do. Of course, if you don't focus on your customers and your customers in the United States today, somebody else is going to focus on your customers and they're going to steal them away. Hear all about it by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We are recording this live event for inclusion in the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. A big thank you goes to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and Just Joe Productions for creating audio footprint and distributing them on iTunes, Spotify, and a wide variety of other platforms. Our purpose for all of the events that we do from the encouragers is to encourage anyone and everyone who actually earns a living from the business of audio itself. And for those who appreciate real innovation and an opportunity to change the world in your corner of it. So please share our clubhouse events because that's where you can come to meet our guests live. And this is also where we take our podcast and record our podcast from this event so that later you, your friends, people in audio, people in innovation can anytime, anywhere tap in and hear what we're doing on innovation and audio. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm a strategic branding consultant and talent coach with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Pretty quickly, our local radio clients talk about the difference our music lab and our morning show fame development coaching make for them directly in terms of ratings and revenue. We do everything from developing strategy, the best music safe lists in the business, to voice tracking, voice trackers, promotions, and sales ideas that turn into pure revenue for your team. If you know somebody who has a ratings challenge, a revenue challenge, or just somebody who needs a tune-up, please introduce us. We'd love to help them. Be glad to help. Innovation and audio. This live event, our Wednesday event, has an intent that is a little bit broader, actually a lot broader than our Monday events. We really actually focus on innovation. If you're in radio in any form, if you're in podcasting, anything really that uses audio, this event is created just for you. Innovation and audio is designed by Skip Dillard. How does it work? 
Good question. If this is your first time with us on Innovation and Audio with this event, we usually have one person deeply rooted in the radio industry and somebody who is an expert in innovation who may or may not have a direct connection to radio, the radio industry, or even audio itself. We are bringing in an outside perspective because we are most interested in true innovation beyond the usual suspects. That means finding others who truly have experience creating environments of change, focus on the future, and we're interested in people who have experience handling innovation personally, directly, sometimes way outside of the audio lane. Our guest uh, on this live event tonight are Rob Barnett, who's the founder and CEO of Rob Barnett Media. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk to him. Elroy Smith is with us, too, and he has just founded and launched Elroy Smith, the coach. So we're going to have a lively conversation with these two experts tonight. Before we get to tonight's guest, though, let me give you a glimpse into what is coming next week in Innovation and Audio. Wednesday, July 21st, uh, Sharina Rice will be here. She is a co-founder and chief scientific officer for Intiva. We're going to talk about what that company is. We'll talk about the innovative things that they're doing. I promise you, it's not in the lane that you think it is. It's going to be really a wild conversation. We've already got our guest for this live event on Clubhouse scheduled from now through September 1st. You can see the whole list just by going to RainmakerPathway.com. Scroll through. You'll find our innovation and audio guest list. It's in the free blog section on the website. That website, RainmakerPathway.com, is also where you can find the Encouraging Sales Success Series, which is our guest series that focuses on local radio sellers, how to make them more money. You like that, right? And, of course, the More Than Live and Local guest series, which is for program directors directors, ops managers, market managers, promotions, talents, and more. We are here to encourage you, and there are a lot of free access ideas and helpful hacks to bring you more success in your career. These free resources are available to anyone in the business of audio. We don't lock away anything on our website, and we do believe in the theory of abundance. So listen up. We know that that means that if you really have a need something that you need an outside perspective for, a different perspective on challenges that you're facing in your market today, you will reach out to us for our authentic services to help you move your business forward. That's what we're about doing. We want you to see how we think and uh, how we help local clients every day. That's how we get new clients to serve. By the way, we want to encourage the development of mentors and more encouragers as well. Please follow the people on the stage that you see tonight at this event and also look around the room, connect up with people. It's a great opportunity to network with some people that you may not know or people that you might loosely know but would like to know better. The encouragers is also about connecting with others who may be able to make your life and your career better. A quick note before we get started with our guests, during the event and during the interview specifically that you're about to hear, you may think of a question or something that you want to ask one or more of our guests. That's really cool. We try to encourage that. We 
want to encourage your questions, here's the actual process we ask you to follow. Please hit the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device or whatever you're listening on that raises your hand on Clubhouse. Once you do that, we will probably bring you at some point up onto the stage live, but we ask that you immediately mute your microphone. That is because of the sound integrity on Clubhouse. It's important that you do that. If you don't mute your mic, we will absolutely send you back down with the audience to try again. We will address you directly. We'll talk to you directly during the questions. You will get an opportunity to ask our guests questions. Our first guest Somebody I know about for a long time, Rob Barnett, is the founder and CEO of Rob Barnett Media. He is a headhunter. He is the author of a book called Next Job, Best Job. Welcome to the Encouragers, Innovation and Audio. How are you, Rob? I'm good. Thanks. That's all the time we have tonight. See ya. (laughs) Well, actually, we're just getting started with you. You know, a lot of people on this event and in the radio industry may know you as the president of programming for CBS Radio. So that's a job that you definitely have had. And and look, we want to tip dip our toe in the Wayback Machine. Uh, how did you get your start in the radio business? What happened? Uh, let's see. I'm an, eight, I'm an eight-year-old boy. I'm listening to it, you know, night and day on my pillow, under my pillow. My dad was a madman. The only difference between my dad and Don Draper is that my dad looked like Pavarotti. He didn't look like John Hamm, but he was an advertising guy. And he had a client called WABC in New York City. And in 1968, he brought me into the studio to meet Cousin Brucie, who, uh, if you don't know him... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> depending on what part of the country you're in or what part of the world you're in clubhouse from cousin Brucey is still doing it at, uh, you know, 85 or 86 years old. He's one of the great radio legends of all time. So that was a moment, you know, if, if you saw the movie American graffiti, it's like the moment where Richard Dreyfus sees the wolf man <laughs> and then push it up about 10 years later. I'm 18. I'm in college and the RA on our floor, walks into me and my roommate and says, I've got a radio show. You guys want to come down? And, you know, he had quite the voice. And so we went and saw uh, our first college radio moment. And that was like when Elwood and Jake walk into the church and see James Brown. That's what I knew. That's what I wanted to do. So in the late 70s and until the end, uh, late 80s, I was uh, working in rock radio, moved all around the country uh, on the air and as a program director in uh, markets like Boston, Dallas, Texas, Los Angeles. Uh, that, that was, you know, radio life number one. Then I got into MTV and VH1 and had a great 12 years making my bones and learning the world of television. But then, as you said, in 04, 05, 06, depending on how you look at it, I was the president of CBS radio. I was also the schmuck and unlucky guy 
that got to work for Les Moonves, who hated radio, didn't know a damn thing about it. And Howard Stern quit on my watch. So (laughs) when when he went to satellite, I was tasked with the the fun little uh, experience of replacing Howard, which Howard had me on his show for about an hour about three years after all that. And I said, you know, even the concept of saying replace Howard Stern was, was ridiculous. Um, I guess the last thing I'll mention, I've done a lot of other things besides radio, but uh, in 2009, I launched a business called Ramp. R-A-M-P stands for Radio and Music Pros with two of my brothers from another mother, Kevin Carter and Steve Resnick. These two guys have run arguably the best daily email that comes out at 5 a.m. Eastern every single morning. And it, it lists the comings and goings of everyone in the radio business and everyone in the music business. I, I had the honor of working with these two guys for, I forget, about maybe nine or 10 years uh, helping them run that business. So, you know, look, it's it's in my bones. I love it. Is it challenged and horrific and harder and more difficult than it's ever been? Hell yes. <laughs> but I'll never Well, there's stop a lot going it. on, right? So, so look, here's what I got out of that. <clears throat> I'm, I'm having a little fun with you now, but here's what I got out of that. You know David Lee Roth. <laughs> yeah, I, I have PTS David Lee Roth. So I'm sure you do. <laughs> we can only talk about that for a minute because then I'll bum out and I'll start crying. And I'm sure that'll be the end of the clubhouse. But yeah, wow. he's a freaking psychotic. <laughs> yeah, he's a little. He, let's just say he's a little bit different, right? So I just yeah. think about your challenges in trying to replace Howard Stern, and we kind of all know the story of Howard and and how that went down and everything. I do want to touch on, and I will touch on the variety of things that you've done, because I think that's an important part of your story. You have had some interesting jobs yourself. Can you tell us about your success working your way up to such a big job and telling us about what it was like to be president of CBS radio? You kind of said the thing about less, you know, but, but, and maybe you don't look at that as a watermark moment because I am going to talk a little bit later about some other things that you've done as well, but tell us a little bit about working. Well, listen, other than, other than the Howard Stern adventure, which included hiring one of the greatest people on earth, who's become a real friend and of all the famous people I've ever met, he's the most non-famous, regular, generous, loving, kind, amazing souls of all time. I hired Jimmy Kimmel for a zillion dollars to become my consigliere. And we put Adam Carolla up on the West Coast and hired about 15 people to support Adam. Those people still work for one of the most listened to podcasts on uh, the planet. So there were some good experiences from Howard. But but look, with radio, when, when they gave me the job, it was about a week or two before the annual company meeting in Florida or someplace where, you know, we used to go on these things called expense accounts. They don't exist anymore. Right. But, but you know, they said, and now the president of CBS radio, Rob Barnett. So I walked up to the mic and I said, hi, I'm Rob, the president. And then I looked at my watch and I said, you know, for like 18 months, if I'm lucky. And, and I got a nice laugh. And then I 
pointed out to everyone sitting in the room and I said, so we're going to innovate. We're going to make change. I'm probably going to get fired anyway. But the only way that we're going to change this industry is by taking smart and calculated risks. And, you know, if we don't, you're all going to get fired anyway. And I didn't get a laugh. And then I pointed to Kevin Weatherly, who ran K-Rock in L.A. for about 30 years. And I said, except for Kevin. And then I pointed to Mark Chernoff who has had one of the greatest radio careers of all time. And I said, except for Kevin and Mark, you're all going to get fired anyway. Well, Mark Chernoff just retired about two weeks ago uh, after one of the greatest runs ever. And Kevin ran K-Rock until not that long ago. But one of the things we did is we heard Jack FM up in Canada. I fell in love with that conceptually So I blew up about a dozen radio stations across America and put Jack on, including with Weatherly. We we put it up in L.A. I I always remember the date. It was St. Patty's Day in 2005, and we went to number one in L.A. Uh, There were a lot of markets where that was extremely successful. And then I believed that music was not the future of Mm. commercial radio, So I blew up another dozen stations and went all FM talk and hired about 30 great talk personalities and put them on all over the country. This again was like 05, 06, because I just felt like we needed a hell of a lot more than the same freaking 10 songs every hour. Yep. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, in the beginning of this, I talked about, you know, the whole change is hard thing. And then I talked about how that's not true. Uh, people will change if it's their idea. But, finding, <laughs> but but look, finding what people want. I mean, you know, we kind of touched on David Lee Roth for a minute. You know, if you want to go and replace somebody like Howard Stern, you're going to be in the heat of the battle. Right. So you're going to have moments like that. And then you talk about Jimmy. Right. And you talk about who you put on the East Coast and who you put on the West Coast. Those are pretty inventive moves that have proven to be uh, very intelligent choices. Let's let's talk about something else that you've done, because I'm really building up to where you are now, which is really important. But we got to go some places first. So what about your time as a programming and production executive at MTV and VH1? I I bet you tell us a story from that time, couldn't you? Well, um, look, they were the center of the universe when I got there. You know, I wasn't there day one at the beginning of the 80s. I was there late 80s. But, you know, this was after Yo! MTV Raps launched. It was before all the shows came that were not music. It was the music center of the planet. And uh, I loved it because I had some of the greatest bosses on the history of the earth. And and these were bosses that allowed you to make mistakes, allowed you to take risks. They encouraged it. Uh, we also had some of the greatest parties in the history of partying. <laughs> but, but, okay. it, but, but, but there was just, there was constant, constant risk and innovation, both at, at MTV and VH1, experimentation quickly, and, and the room to fail. You don't get the room to fail anymore. And that's right. really, really screwed up if you're in a creative business. Well, where- it's, a, it's a look, it's a low risk environment is what they're creating. And so low, low risk is low reward, right? Yes. 
Yeah. So, you know, the best thing I can tell you about those years is that I could just come up with a whack-ass idea on uh, what night is this, on a Wednesday night. And if I could get in the ear of one of the people in charge, the television show could be in uh, on next week, not just all over the country, but all over the world and Incredible. in the other affiliates. So, you know, I got to develop and launch a lot of talent. I was the first person to put RuPaul on television. This is mid nineties uh, at VH1. We called it simply the RuPaul show, but we kind of modeled it after the Mike Douglas show. And we had little teeny guests like Cher, Elton John, Boy, Matt, Did you tell him that you, you, you based it on that other show? Cause I, that would be an interesting conversation. Oh yeah. No, no, no. It was, <laughs> no, we did. You know, I mean, look, okay. we based it on Ru who's yeah. a freaking genius, right. um, you know, way ahead of his time in, in, in his ability to present a completely new face to the world. Correct. And, and look where that's gone. I wish I was managing him, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, but it, that was an honor to work with him. My, my then four-year-old daughter snuck in late one night. I was editing an episode. She was about four years old and she goes, Daddy, that's a man, right? <laughs> like, yes, honey. Um, and uh, let's see, I put Johnny Rotten on television. That was a freaking trip. We called it Rotten TV. So, you know, I mean, it was just nonstop. Rob, fun, you're, you're willing to try some things, right? Always. Because All right. for me, it's about talent. It's about Exactly talent, right. Right? Exactly right. Now, let's get down to it. You, you can see that you transitioned to different and interesting jobs in your career. So you were not like, I have to do this one thing, I'm gonna be in this box. How important is it today to be flexible and to look for other interesting things that you, no matter who you are, can do in your career? How important is that today? Well, I'll give you a statistic. I'm much more of a creative guy than I am a stats guy. But, you know, they paid me a lot of money to write this book that we just put out two weeks ago. So I felt like, well, I guess we have to do a little bit of research. So yep. the most important piece of research that we found that I can use to answer your question is that the new, this is going to freak everybody out. They're all going to leave the room the minute I say this. Ready? The new long term, stable, secure, full-time job in the U.S. of A is 4.0 years. So if you're not comfortable with change and change that sometimes is out of your control, you're going to get really mad, really sad, and scarily really depressed every time the rug gets pulled out. If you're going to be in any version of you'll, you're using the word audio, I'll go further and just use the word media to encompass yes. everything, right? Everything that's communication, information, entertainment, news, sports. If you're in this, then you're going to be changing jobs and it would be better to be more comfortable with that than to lose your mind. Listen, I'm comfortable enough to, with what you're saying to introduce this idea, Rob. Control is an illusion on this planet. 
So if, if you think that they you're in control, freaking men, right? Amen. You think you're, that's just something that you have told yourself that's not true. You know, today <laughs> we talk with people on our Monday live event called the Radio Rally and our Wednesday event, Innovation and Audio, which you're you're a part of right now. And two things come up all the time. These are the words, although people really use the other word for this, but I like to use this one because it seems a little bit better. I work my butt off. They say that all the time. People that are successful, that is what they are about doing. They may mm -hmm. not, you may not always see it all the time. Every day may not be a day where you go, were you successful today? I don't know, but I work my butt off. I could tell you that. And the second one is mentors. Oftentimes, it's not just one mentor involved either. Can you mention to us your Mount Rushmore of mentors that you've had in business? It doesn't matter where they come from. Oh, sure. Uh, it, it, it's, it's one of the most important things ever. And a lot of people, when they get to a later successful part of their career, forget something. When you get to the top of one of these mountains, you forget that the only reason you got to wherever you've achieved is that somebody in the beginning helped you, taught you, and gave you a shot when you did not know anything. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you didn't deserve it, right? When, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd agree with that because in every level, even snot-nosed kid out of college, or in my case, dropped out of college, even the snot-nosed version of 18 or 19-year-old me, you've got to have some people skills, right, to be able right. to speak to somebody uh, on mentor mountaintop or whatever great phrase you use that I can't remember. You've got to you've got to <laughs> work your people skills from minute one to be able to do something other than go buy me coffee, go get sandwiches, go get my dry cleaning. You know, if you're if you're lucky, when you're an intern at the very beginning, there are people that are going to sit you down, even if it's for a couple of minutes here and there, and give you their wisdom. So for me, in radio, is very very lucky. Uh, the first person that took me under his wing is a freaking madman named, he's known professionally as Stephen Clean. His, his uh, uh, legal name is Stephen Siegel. Stephen was one of the first FM disc jockeys ever in the late 60s with his fellow jocks, Harry Shearer, who also became a mentor of mine, and Michael McKean. These guys started in the basement of a, church in Pasadena at what was called KPPC. That later became K-Rock. So mm -hmm. I met Stephen in Boston radio, along with a lady who I just reunited with last weekend called Cindy Balin. And these were some Boston, legendary Boston jocks who really cared about me and taught me and some of my best friends and just let us shadow them and learn from them and ask them a trillion questions. But then when I got my first paying radio job, the man that was the general manager of the station I ended up programming for a long time called WAAF, that man's name is Steve Marks, M-A-R-X. We lost him a couple of years ago, but Steve was one of the greatest bosses 
and radio mentors, uh, I think that ever existed. And if you want to message me offline or find me on social. Rob, did we lose you there? This is a challenge sometimes with uh, clubhouses. We lose audio and uh, hopefully he'll be back in just a second. Uh, it's interesting to talk to him tonight. Obviously, you get to hear a few stories and you see where he's been in different places. Hey, Rob, welcome back. Oh, that's strange. I think what must yeah. have happened is uh, here's a clubhouse fault that isn't ours. When you get a phone call, it oh, takes yeah. you out. So I blame the guy who called me. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> Let's hope he's not on Clubhouse right now. That would be bad, right? Well, if you missed all of that, just DM me, and I'd love to tell anyone who wants to hear about it, about a man named Steve Marks, who was one of the best radio pros of all time, wrote a book called Close Like the Pros, which inspired mm -hmm. my book. And uh teaches everybody how to close a freaking deal there you go well listen uh rob is on at least i know linkedin and facebook because we have some dialogue back and forth listen rob uh i've got two more questions for you so here we go to the super bowl level uh radio pros have seen some what i would call some significant uh challenges in employment while others at the top of broadcasting have gotten rich over the last several decades this is also true of other industries it's not just radio okay it's in a lot of different different lanes of audio and other. If you're in the business of audio today, what advice can you give us about employment, value, the sharpening of skills to advance in tomorrow's world? Well, um, and again, I apologize for my buddy who cut the audio off, but you know, I in my book, which is just out, here comes the freaking plug, next job, best job, there's an entire chapter in there about negotiating and leveraging and doing all the tricks of the trade to be able to get yourself the best compensation possible. It's difficult. I don't know. You asked a much deeper and more spiritual question about no, I mean, look, those pay, things pay, are, about pay and equity and about, you know, CEOs taking all the money and paying everybody else, you know, crap wages. Uh, you know, good luck fixing that problem. But but I do think that you need to be able to learn how to create leverage and stop thinking that they hold all the cards when you're in a situation of being undervalued and underpaid. You've got to do everything you possibly can to get what you deserve, but at a certain point when it's clear that you can't, you got to get the courage up to make a plan to get the hell out of there because you're going to be valued more on the outside than you are on the inside at a place where they're refusing to move you up. Well, that's true. And look, you know, you talk about plugging the book. I don't mind you plugging the book. This is one of the main reasons that we wanted to talk to you is because you've changed some lanes. You've done some things. This is about innovation. Sometimes innovation is knowing when it's time to get that next job, best job as to kind of paraphrase your book a little bit. Okay. And so I've seen some lane changes from you and how you're using creativity. And 
you know, it's interesting. You talk about that one chapter about negotiating. These are not skills that talent sometimes has, and they need to be able to get a quick tutorial, right? Yeah, or or uh, another person to do it for you. You know, uh-huh. some people just are not good at it. So, you know, it, 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 it's a skill you either need to build or buy. Yeah, because, you know, the definition of a smart person is not somebody who knows everything, but somebody who either knows things or they know people to access information. That makes you just as smart, right? Yeah. And and this other part, which is that sometimes you have to invest in yourself Correct. to make more money as opposed to sitting here quietly going, why is no one giving me more money and then being pissed about it? Sometimes you got to spend to make. Yes, Yes. And, and investing in yourself today, because so many people in the audio lane have some really incredible gifts that they don't think, okay, this is transferable to this or that or the other, or this has real value that I can leverage, or they don't know how to do it, right? Yeah, well, listen, the up, the umpteenth, that's a scientific term, the umpteenth bubble explosion of podcasting is proof that your skills are transferable outside a dying radio station, right? It's proof. Correct. Now, listen, finally, I'm going to slip this one in on you because I just think this is really cool. If you go uh, back to David Lee Roth, I am hanging up. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm like Eddie Van Halen. I'm done with David Lee Roth. So I can see that God you bless are- Eddie Devil, devil take David. No, no (laughs) doubt. Well, you know, some people can't kill them yet. Uh, I see that you're a board member of something called whyhunger.org. Can you tell us why you chose that specific organization? Because clearly you're involved with them uh, to become involved with them. And and do you believe it's important for people to also engage in helping others in this kind of way? Obviously, it's good for you. Is it good for everybody in their career and in their life? Oh, thanks for asking me about them. Well, the quick answer to why I'm uh, part of Why Hunger is that, you know, I was born and raised a Jew in Brooklyn, but but I converted to Springsteenism a long time ago. And so I've seen Bruce 10,573 times, and he used to always have a moment late in the show where he'd say, listen, if you uh, are heading out tonight, you're going to see some people in the lobby holding buckets and if you can take a dollar and help somebody who does not have food to eat it would be a, something he would greatly appreciate so i learned about the organization again as a radio listener uh as a young kid it was founded by harry chapin in the 70s and harry and bill ayers who was uh, a disc jockey uh and and a and a and a and a priest, uh, they founded this in the 70s and had worked tirelessly up until Harry's uh, terrible accidental death in a, in a car accident. But the organization is doing nothing less than fighting to end hunger and believes that nutritious food is a human right. So it's not just about food banks and handing out cans, it's about teaching the world how to better feed people. And, you know, when I got active, the truth of the matter is that I was on my ass. I was stuck out of work. I was getting ghosted. I wasn't getting responses to 
the jobs that I was chasing. And a friend asked me if I would be interested in working with them, meaning volunteer. And that's when a light went off in my head to the end of your question, which is maybe I should stop doing the me, 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 and spend X numbers of hours every week helping people that were, you know, a lot worse off. So they're whyhunger.org. And I would encourage anybody to read up on what we do. We also had, it got lost in the COVID shuffle, but we had our first CBS television special with Bruce Springsteen, Ringo Starr, John Legend, all those folks were helping us out on on CBS a chunk of months ago. And here's a tease. Thanks to the Beatles, we're going to be doing something game-changing come October. So just keep an eye on my social media. I mean game-changing. I mean imagine every artist in the world getting together for this one organization. We're going to hopefully blow your minds in October. Excellent. Excellent. We'll look forward to that. And uh, it's been our pleasure to talk to you, Rob. I want to thank you for spending your time with us and for being so uh, thoughtful on uh, some of our tough questions, uh, even if we did not get back to your favorite personality of all time. <laughs> I, I will ask if you'll please just stick around for a few minutes in case. Oh, sure. No, I'm good. I'm happy to answer any questions. Great. Great. Happy to hang out to, to the end. Well, we're going to give some folks an opportunity to ask you some questions at the end if they want. By the way, you can probably tell that we do believe in mentors at the encouragers. Surprise, surprise. Don't forget to connect with and follow the people that are on the stage and in the room tonight. You can connect with them through other social media as well. I'm a strong believer that we are stronger together and better with a mentor. If you've not joined our group, the encouragers, which you're on right now, please do so tonight. Uh, You can share our group, our Wednesday night live event, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific every week is called Innovation and Audio. Specifically, please share that with your friends and people in the business of audio. You know this, but please uh, do share with others that our Clubhouse events are now welcoming both Android and iPhone users. Some people, it takes a while for them to get the message, but yes, Android, you're welcome. By the way, did you know that there's a way to nominate others to join the encouragement? just right on your screen. Please do this tonight if you get a chance and uh, give your friends an opportunity to discover encouragement that is free for them uh, who love audio or innovation or both. Also, please don't forget about our Monday live events. The Radio Rally comes back Monday. We are welcoming this Monday our Beasley Pro event. July 19th, Larry Julius, the market development manager at Beasley Media Group. He's got a very interesting job. You're going to love hearing from him talk about the future of radio and what's happening on the leading edge of his job. Also on July 19th, Mark Raz, who's the program director of WXTU, or as they say, 92.5 XTU in Philadelphia. Make plans to join us now Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, for some great guests in our Radio Pro event. Now I get to turn my attention to another great interview, and that always starts with another great person that I am lucky to know, and that's Skip Dillard. Skip, how are you? 
Hey, doing great tonight, Lloyd. Thanks so much and, and really enjoyed Rob. I remember him. He was about eight uh, pay grades higher than I was during my CBS days, but uh, definitely always somebody, all of us at uh, CBS at that time uh, looked up to. Um, great guest today. He really, in radio circles, as I mentioned uh, on my video on my Facebook page last night, really needs little introduction. Elroy definitely defines what Rob has talked about in terms of long-term employment. He's, he's bucked the trend, actually, in just about every case. And it was a gentleman I first uh, really, I guess, got to really know his name in the early 90s because he was one that would always uh, – I was one of those up-and-coming jocks that would shoot out air checks around the country and, and nobody would ever bother to write you back. And Elroy always would and would always say, hey, not, not the sound I'm looking for, but here's some things for you to work on. And, and you don't know how much that meant. I, I had never – uh, been so happy with rejection in all my career because like a PD in a major market actually wrote me back. So mm -hmm. uh, your program and resume award includes some long runs and you've been in some major markets, uh, call letters that are very famous, WILD in Boston, KJMZ in Dallas, WGCI and WVAZ in Chicago. You ran three stations for Urban One Philadelphia. You oversaw nationally syndicated talents for them at Reach Media. And you just finished a, a nice run as the operations manager at KBLX in uh, San Francisco. Where did you get your passion for programming from? Uh, first of all, Skip, uh, thank you. And Rob, I truly enjoyed um, hearing about your history. Um, but to answer your question, uh, Skip, um, I tried singing and um, <clears throat> that just did not work out. Um, I was with a singing group in Bermuda uh, we performed to an audience of about 5,000 people. And I thought I did really well, Skip. And right after the performance, um, they released me. So I was fired on the spot. I went home feeling sad. And somehow radio just popped into my mind. I said, boy, maybe I could be a DJ. So I went to the local radio station, talked with them. And uh, they recommended that I, you know, learn about radio um, by going to school. So back in the day, there was a school in New York City called Announcing Training Studios. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the schools where it's promoted, become a DJ in nine months. So I ended up um, going into that program. So I was in New York City. And Skip, I fell in love with uh, WABC. Now, there are probably a lot of people uh, on Clubhouse this afternoon or this evening saying, WABC, well, this was a legendary AM station that was around for many, many years. A guy named Dan Ingram, I mean, jingles, and it was just so compelling to listen to. And of course, WNBC, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm falling in love with this business. Then, was, then there was another uh, AM station that was a powerhouse in New York called WWRL. Um, so while I was in New York studying, I was analyzing these radio stations. And what's really incredible, when I went back to Bermuda for the summer vacation, I would drive near to the ocean to hear these stations late at night because the signal just blasted all over the world and I was able to study them then. But also when I came back to New York, I fell in love with WBLS, Frankie Crocker. That was not 
just a, a DJ. He was a personality. At four o'clock, he came on with, you know, this incredible introduction. Then WRKS in New York came on. So I was just a fanatic with regard to uh, studying radio. Now in Boston, you mentioned WILD. Uh, that was a radio station that only was on the air sunrise to sunset so the running joke was whenever uh wiod is on the air it's when it's daylight so in the winter time uh morning drive started at 7 15 <laughs> and afternoon drive ended at 4 15 because you know that was the operating hours in the winter time but there was a station on the fm band called kiss 108 gentleman named Sonny Joe White. I'm giving you all of this history is because this is what I would suggest if you're sort of just breaking into the uh, radio industry study. So there's this program director, Sonny Joe White, that put the station on the air, KISS 108, probably one of the most incredible radio stations uh, when it signed on uh, in, in the early 80s. Then I listened to Top 40 WRKO, and I never thought in my wildest dreams, Skiff, that I would even be considered to program WGCI. So when I was looking for work, I would always skip Chicago WGCI. And then yeah, traveling to Washington, D.C., a guy named Donnie Simpson put a station on WKYS. I'm like, this guy's voice is so soothing. So what you're getting from me, Skip, is I just studied this business from afar, studied these radio stations, studied these um, programmers, even reached out. Some little guy in Boston programming WILD calling Barry Mayo at WRKS. A lot of times we look at these big names in the industry and we think, oh man, these people won't take my call. Trust me, these people are lonely. They will take your phone call. So that's really how I got my passion. That's, that's so good. And, you know, Sonny Joe White definitely deserves mention. I mean, he was, you know, not only uh, one of the first African-Americans to really uh, break into top 40 programming, but um, he was openly gay. I mean, he defied uh, for his time, uh, you know, opportunities afforded, uh, you know, especially to minorities and, and you know, uh, just an amazing uh, and I'll say this about hey guys this. Clubhouse won't let us do it but I'm going to privately send you a picture of me and the great great Sonny Joe White I'm going to send you this picture while we're talking sorry please. I had to tell you I worshipped him no, well you know, you know let me add something with regard to Sonny Joe White most of his programming came from gut uh, I think when research Amen. was, yeah, when research was put upon this guy, he freaked out. He couldn't function <laughs> in that world. But in terms of gut, that guy knew the pulse of the city of Boston. I remember that station signing on. I, rem I learned from afar. I never worked at KISS 108. But every single day part, every jock was a star. And a lot of times we look at overnight, oh, who cares? Who's listening overnight? Every personality was a star on that radio station. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I collected air checks coming up of, of him and people you mentioned, Frankie Crocker. I was a big top 40, Scott Shannon when Z100 sure. launched. And, you yeah. know, I, yeah. I could not agree more. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. talking about talent, I was reading your press release, Elroy, and, and we'll talk about the website when we uh, wrap up here so we can get everybody on it. But, you know, you, you made a quote I really appreciated. And it said, with listeners having so many choices to hear music, 
they are looking for more than just music when they turn on the radio. They want to be entertained and intrigued with radio or podcast host. Talking up to the vocals, reading liner cards perfectly, and doing birthday shout outs have no value. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and about what you're trying to do with your new coaching venture. Yeah, uh, first of all, Skip, uh, it is a venture that I'm very, very passionate about, Elroy Smith coaching you into a brand. Um, what prompted that, I see so many people um, going to work uninspired. Why? Because their breaks are only 10 seconds, 30 seconds. How in the world can these personalities uh, become popular? I have never, correct me if I'm wrong, I have never heard of a liner jock becoming famous. So I have four sessions um, in my coaching. Uh, session number one, tips on becoming a great on-air personality. A lot of times we strive to be what? Oh, let me be better. No, that should not be your goal. Your goal should be, let me be different. And content. Today, content is almost as, as important as music. Why? People have so many choices for music. So if your content is basic, the music they can get anywhere, you're going nowhere. So one of the words that I use, make sure that your content is compelling. Well, what do you mean by compelling? Compelling, in my opinion, means captivating, uh, riveting, incite emotion, and also finding a way to create conflict. That's how people will stop and say, man, I gotta continue to listen to this radio station. Uh, everybody is doing hot topics. But the difference is the people that stand out with regard to hot topics, Skips are, uh, Skip, are the ones that have a different angle on the, uh, on the hot topic versus just reading, okay, well, you got Nick Cannon that has seven kids now no, 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 no. Let's talk about, wow, seven children. What is your, you do have an opinion. Well, give your opinion. Contrasting point of views are important. I got to give props to Charlemagne and DJ Envy. They are always creating contrasting point of views. You are not going to leave the radio. And lastly, on session number one, becoming a great DJ, be known for one thing. You don't need to be known for 20 different things. If you could be known for one thing, i.e., there's a station in Atlanta, Streets 94.5. They mm -hmm. have this feature called Second Date uh, Update. That is the that that is the uh, that is the only thing that people are buzzing about. I have <laughs> never heard of anyone going to work saying, "Man, did you hear the new Jay Z?" No, but they're going to go to work talking about that feature. Then we talk about vulnerability. There's a lady named Delilah. Um, why is her show so popular? It's not because of the music. It's because this lady connects well with her audience. Why? She's so vulnerable. She will tell you about her life. And then listeners end up what? Responding to that. And then the last session is on branding. You've got to create a brand. If you don't, look at Starbucks. I don't know what's special about Starbucks. I don't like coffee. But there's something about that place that people would revere. Oh man, oh, oh, I got my app for Starbucks. I just need to walk in. My name, they'll scream out my name and I'm gone. I, I don't get it, but there's thousands and millions of people that get it. Uh, also, if you are a brand, guess what? You can create streams of income. DJ Envy from The Breakfast Club. Look at his streams of income. He's a star in The Breakfast Club, right? He's a mixer. 
He hosts an annual celebrity car show every year, and he's involved in real estate. Don't know how he does all of that. Ryan Seacrest, the same thing. Why? If you're not a brand, you won't be able to have these type of uh, variations of uh, making money. So that's what um, my program is all about, helping people to become uh, a brand skip. That's that's wonderful, man. And, and, you know, we were just hearing Rob talk about some of the talents that he dealt with. And you had your your uh, uh, big names as well. Russ Parr, Doug Banks, Tom yeah. Joyner, Yolanda Adams, Steve Harvey, Crazy Howard McGee, Rick Party. And I've worked with some of these and I'm not going to say who was hard to work with and who wasn't. <laughs> but you had to learn to deal with some big name talents. And 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 tell me a little bit about coaching uh, celebrities and others that, you know, yeah. you're trying to help that aren't necessarily always the easiest to coach. And, and Skip, one of the things that I've learned here, if you love psychology, um, you could be an amazing coach. And that's one of the things that I enjoyed in college, loving psychology. What I do, Skip, I study every single personality. Now, for instance, Russ Parr, he and I worked together in Dallas at Jams. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pull him aside, hey Russ, um, that bit that happened at this time, he would be like very inquisitive, why is this guy analyzing this bit? He was intense when it comes to winning, but he'll yeah. go home and call me, what, three hours later, and say, you know what, point well stated. But I would never critique Russ in front of his team. Why? Mm-hmm. It's disrespectful. Uh, Doug Banks, big name, the first um, what personality that I, I was paying $1 million. So I was wow. intimidated by he and Tom Joyner, both getting a million dollars at WGCI <laughs> in Chicago. Who am I? Some guy that came from Boston, little AM station that never was on 24 hours a day. Will they listen to me? But I must say, in terms of Tom Joyner, man, I was walking down having to talk to him for the first time after I became the PD. I said, Tom, um, there's an artist that would like to be interviewed on your show. He looked at me, Elroy, if the artist does not replace a hit, I don't want to put him on. So I learned, it was an exchange. We learned from one another, Yolanda Adams. This woman is a phenomenal singer, but she took time out, Skip, to be a sponge when it came to radio. Steve Mm -hmm. Harvey, (laughs) hungry to win. He he started his radio career at WGCI in Chicago. Rick Party, gotta give him props. This guy's always reinventing. Crazy Howard McGee, this guy, (laughs) he was a a marketing guy. He owned, uh, oh, he was doing commercials for a beeper company, but there was something engaging about his personality and he came from nowhere and he blew up. So the science behind managing talent, let them know that you are a fan of their work and guess what happens? They will ingratiate themselves to you. That's right. No, totally agree, man. And let's talk quickly about the pandemic. Where is radio now? Where do we have to go post-COVID? And what opportunities do you feel are there at the moment are here for us? Well, I'll tell you one thing here. I talked to three different program directors on the same day. All of them sounded depressed. I'm like, man, this is crazy. I did not even enjoy the conversation. One program director saying, look, I have to do an on-air shift. I have to, what, voice track. I have to do production. And she's saying to me, I don't know about this business. Think about it. 
certain radio stations have a syndicated morning show on, uh, a syndicated afternoon show on, a syndicated night show on, and their premiere of that program premiere that iHeart has, where is there room for a program director? You really just need a facilitator. So I'm very, very concerned in terms of the radio being local. It's all what? Coming from one uh, source, meaning from syndication. And that is a major, major concern of mine. It may end up being like television. The only time we break are for local cut-ins and you're back to national programming. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's interesting, and and I wanted to spend a minute because this was a uh, you know one of I think uh, one of the most uh, unique and and brilliantly thought up ideas. You uh, created a yearly music seminar at WGCI to help young artists and aspiring producers in Chicago make it in the music business. You had some of the biggest names, producers, artists every year do a seminar. It wasn't a concert so much mm-hmm. as it was people coming into an auditorium that was packed beyond capacity. And And tell me a little bit about relationships with the artist community in this uh, state of our industry, because I see the artist community doing so much on the streaming right, services right. And, and, you know, we're losing some leverage there. What are your thoughts? Right. Well, first of all, Skip, I don't know if I could do a conference today and it would be uh, as successful as it was back in the day. We are talking about close to 3,000 people coming out to a music conference, learning about the music business. Why? Because artists, many of them are what? Using their social media uh, platform to promote music. I was talking to a record executive. She said, look, Elroy, it's all about social media with regard to promoting our artists. And then radio is sort of the last leg lag, which really, um, which really blew me away for radio to be the last tier. Uh, that says to me that, man, is radio still significant? I'll give you another point. My son, 22 years old, I'm in the Bay Area. I sent him a text saying, hey, uh, have you heard of Camiel? He responded, um, no. And we have been living in the Bay Area for what, Skip, five years. My son has never heard of Camiel, which is a legendary radio station. Why? I said, why haven't you? I said, maybe I'm saying the call that is wrong. He was real clear on what he read. He just, he hadn't heard of it. He said, dad, I listen to uh, Spotify. And he knows about new music before radio is even touching new music. Mm -hmm. And by the time it gets on radio, what? To him and to that demo, 18 to 24, they are like, oh, that's an old song. That's why many of the urban stations are having problems because that audience is gone. And to answer your question directly, most artists are going social media. Look what Beyonce did, how she debuted one of her albums. She went online and said at midnight, this album is coming out. And then radio followed her um, you know, campaign. Okay, well, Beyonce, uh, da, 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 her uh, CD will be released at midnight. She did not need radio to tell the world about her new CD. Yeah, uh, it is interesting how... Uh, you know, how things have just, you know, done a total 180 on us. And, and you know, it's very fascinating to uh, 
you know, just make that fight and, and, and effort to, you know, really reconnect with the artist. And I think through our social and digital platforms at radio, we've got to be smarter about looking at ways we can, you know, help each other, cross promote each other and, and, you know, get some of that back. I wanted to save a few minutes for questions. So Elroy, I mean, any regrets or major challenges you've faced in your career in, in, in hindsight? Yeah, uh, Skip, one of the challenges that I faced, and I'll be very brief on this, um, I did not um, finish high school. Um, looking back, I'm like, I'm not proud of it, but I knew that I needed college. So there was a college in Boston, Graham Junior College, that was going to close down within a year and a half. They said, get me a letter from a minister and a lawyer in Bermuda, and if it's a good representation of you, we'll let you in. So thank God I found two letters, got accepted into college, and uh, but boy, it was tough. Why? I was so far behind in terms of basic information. Um, wow. So thank God for that challenge because I was able to conquer that. And then in terms of regrets, uh, this has been on my mind for, oh, man, easily six years. There's a gentleman named Charlemagne. He and I worked together mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. And looking back, I was told to fire him. And um, after having this guy on for three months in Philadelphia on a hip hop station there, I'm like, boy, he's on the cusp of blowing up. And as soon as I said that, I got a call saying we must let him go. So the reason why I'm sharing this is because um, it just aches my heart every time I hear that boy only if we would have given this guy a few more months, hmm. um, he would have uh, been phenomenally successful out of Philadelphia. The guy is a reverend. I mean, he's he's unpredictable. He's you know all the wonderful things. So I just want to publicly say to Charlemagne uh, that you know I apologize for not you know supporting him with regard to you know standing up saying give this man another shot. So that's a regret, and that's a challenge for me. Well, well I'll tell you one thing, where It shows you're right, because your, your loss was Cadillac Jack's game. Right, right. He's got billion-dollar deals with uh, yes, podcasting, sir. Breakfast Club. <laughs> right. Yeah, you okay. definitely gave Cadillac Jack a real gift I, on that. I one. know, I know, I know. <laughs> and and later, Thea Mitchum, I know they were right, very right. happy. Yeah, with yeah, thanks, Elroy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes sometimes. Yep. No worries. Thank you. Listen, I want you to please uh, give us your website. He is available for coaching. He's still a, a very active programmer, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that. But in the meantime, Elroy, if you give everybody how they can. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Skip. Uh, Elroy dot the coach uh, at gmail.com. That's if you want to send me an email for the website, it's elroythecoach.com. And I appreciate it, Skip. Thank you so much for having and me on. Thank you so much. If you'll just stick with us a couple minutes for questions, I will hand things back over to my good friend Lloyd Ford. Oh, you're paying attention, right? Everybody is paying attention, right? I, I, I think I can say this. I could be wrong, but there's one person on Clubhouse tonight that had to replace Howard Stern. You heard that story right here on the Encouragers Innovation and Audio. And you heard the incredible track record that that Rob has and about his new book, right? And then the audacity 
for Elroy to show up here, of course, with his incredible track record and talk about being different, not being better, being different, being compelling, captivating, right? These are the things. How can you do that reading uh, liners? Well, I, I tell you who's really famous at reading liners. It's homogeny. Nothing. Okay, that's why we always talk with people about fame development for morning show talent. I used to hate and I still hate when people talk about Phantom Cube because Phantom Cube doesn't exist. You know how we know that Phantom Cube doesn't exist because it, you're not famous. That's the problem. You're not famous. So you once you become famous, there's no Phantom Cube that's going to keep you back. Of course, I'm talking about people in diary markets and and here we are talking to these two incredible guests just just one night on the encouragers innovation and audio if you have questions for our guests tonight and i just told you a whole bunch of reasons why you should now is the time if you haven't hit the raise your hand button it's at the bottom of your phone or your screen whatever device you're on right now we'll encourage you to do that you'll see a hand on your screen at the bottom of your iphone or android device just hit the button and we'll do the rest we do ask that you mute your mic when we bring you up onto the stage if uh you don't do this we'll have to send you back down to try again we are recording this event for inclusion in encourage the encouragers innovation and audio podcast which will be available on itunes spotify and about uh two dozen other platforms within about an hour of the end of this live event actually a big thank you again goes to joe kelly for producing our podcast associated with the encouragers and justjoeproductions.com for handling the audio footprint for us and the distribution of the podcast so others can listen anywhere on demand wherever they get their podcast he does an exceptional job please follow the people on the stage tonight this event is meant to encourage you and encourage uh, the use of mentors, of course, like these two gentlemen that are with us this evening. Look around the room, find a way to introduce yourself this week. Uh, don't be bashful. Uh, there's no reward for bashfulness, I can assure you. So, uh, you know, if if people have a question, now's the time for you to raise your hand. Uh, I, I do want to say this, Elroy, uh, is incredible to have you here and have you talk about what I would call my version of fame. When you talk about being different, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things that, that I have done with morning show talent for a long time, I have these different morning show talents that always say things like this. They go, man, I can't believe I'm across the street from so-and-so and they're beating my ass mm -hmm. and I'm so much better than them. And I always say to them something mm -hmm. that you kind of said mm -hmm. and, and I always say to people, what if I told you it's not about that? Would that change what we're doing here? You know, and I think that's a big deal. Do you think you have trouble giving that message to personality, sir? Yeah, uh, Lloyd, thank you. Um, yeah, if, if it's hard for them to comprehend being different, what most people go after is, I got to be better than the next person. But if you think yeah. about, if you just think about, let me be different people will gravitate to you being different. Like, wow, the reason why I like this person is because they do this. 
they do that. Yeah. And you may never a, you may never beat, you know, the 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 premier personality in town, but you may you'll be close. Then you are creating what? A huge fan base. People that right. are see, passionate about you. Yeah. See if you agree with this. That right there. That when we talk about fame development with coaching talent, mm -hmm. that thing that you just identified, I mm -hmm. call that the point of penetration. You mm -hmm. have to have something that people point to and go, yeah, you know what? That's what he does. I'm mm -hmm. following him, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, you got yeah, it. But that's that's hard to get across, right? Yep, yep, yep. All right, so so look, we do have some, some folks that have some questions. Ike, do you have a question for somebody on our panel tonight? Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, I guess it's for the whole panel. Um, how are you guys <clears throat> going to compete with Spotify, uh, far as the advertising, uh, because as a, you know, as a radio person or even a participant in music, uh, I feel that advertising has really, it's always been there, but now it's highly pronounced. So how are you guys going to compete with either, uh, you know, bringing along the next generation to understand, you know, how radio functions or how it's supported? Uh, I just wanted to know your opinions. Well, Ike, the, the first thing I'm going to tell you uh, from my point of view is that uh, radio does a pretty good job with revenue. However, there are going to be changes, as there always are changes, and there's going to have to be innovative models that are looked at, too. And Ike, I just wanted to add quickly, and that's a great question. It's a question yes. that we are sitting in conference rooms now and on Zoom on for the last uh, months and pre-pandemic. Uh, we are recruiting digital sellers. The challenge is they're very expensive because if they're digital sellers, they can also sell for Google. They can sell mm -hmm. for YouTube. So you're competing uh, even more. Now, we're training our terrestrial sellers, our traditional sellers, I should call it. But, um, you know, you have to have digital people in the mix. And, and you know, we're going to have to go to colleges. We're going to have to get these people early because once they've gone to the digital technical universe, it is extremely hard to get them to come over to you. It's very Correct. hard. So it's, right. a, it's a challenge. Coach Kenny, you have a question for somebody on our panel tonight. I do. First, I want to just say thank you so much for letting me be a part of the conversation. It's been great thus far. And I just want to say thank you to Skip Dillard because he was actually the person that invited me and has always been a mentor to me and, and very helpful in terms of my career development. So thank you nice. to Skip. And I just wanted to, you know, I guess this question can go to anyone on the panel. What are some ways that talent can make sure that they you know, can re-innovate their brand or keep their brand fresh? And how important do you think it is for talent in this day and age to leverage the broadcast to podcast strategy as part of their overall positioning in the marketplace? Hi, Coach. This is Elroy. Uh, first of all, uh, let's make sure that uh, the radio station is, is designed for you to, or whoever is on the air, to explore their skills. A lot of radio stations, their format is already set up. Okay, you must do four liners an hour. And then the fifth uh, break, you must promote two songs coming up. So if you know that you're going into a situation like that, we cannot blame the radio station. 
that's on you if you accept that job. We need to be finding radio stations that want talent that are compelling, that are innovative. Um, but right now, I don't know if there are a lot of radio stations uh, that are looking for that type of uh, talent outside of Morning Drive. But most of the Morning Drive shows now are what? Syndicated, right? And you should hear the, the length of the breaks at Morning Drive much longer than, oh, at 10 o'clock, or you must be quiet. I don't know if any listener on this planet has said, okay, right after the morning show, you must stop talking. No, there's a station in Cleveland, WZAK, a guy named Sam Silk. His show is an afternoon drive show, and his numbers are incredible. So make sure you investigate what the station is expecting of you uh, before you just accept the job. Now, with regard to social media, that is vitally important. That is an extension of your brand. Thank you. That, that's helpful. Very excellent points. And, you know, this conversation is going to come more and more to the foreground about you can't play 10 in a row. you got to have something compelling that you're bringing to the dance. And as things get crunchier, you're going to see more of this conversation. I always like to say that the heroes roll to the front of the bus, if you know what I mean. So let's talk to Dawn. Dawn, you have a question for uh, someone on our panel. Yes. Good evening, gentlemen. First, let me say this has just been a wonderful conversation. Uh, just like Coach Kenny said, I must thank uh, Skip Deller. Skip has been a mentor of mine for years. And just hearing even some of the stories that you were mentioning, Elroy, it just reminded me of some of the things that Skip has told me. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm off that spiel, uh, just <laughs> piggybacking off of what you guys were uh, mentioning about the uh, morning drive and as far as the content. As we know, the pandemic you know, occurred. It's still happening. And people aren't in their cars like they used to. A lot of people are working from home. And while before we were so used to having content heavy in the morning, what do you see the change in how people are listening to radio and how it's going to affect radio? As well as when I'm talking to a lot of my uh, counterparts, I'm a millennial uh, on the older side. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say they're finding their music on uh, various streaming platforms and not in radio. Do you see where talk or is it radio talk and music is going to do like a division there or is it still codependent? Well, I, I, I don't, first of all, I don't want to dominate. I just wanted to, maybe let, yeah, Rob, I've been talking a lot, Rob or Skip, um, you know, maybe you guys can chime in, but um, good question. Yeah. Uh, Rob, do you have an answer for this particular question? Hey, Don, um, you know, look, it's, there's no question that, the audience numbers uh, and the revenue numbers are down and down significantly because of first the end of all commuting as we knew it, and now we're slowly getting back. But without naming names, I talked to a friend in a very important chair in a very major broadcasting company. They had lost more than 60% of the audience and the revenue. So on that tip with, with such a challenge, I think it just screams to the idea that all of us as individuals should not be looking at one and only one revenue stream as the best way to bring home the bacon, or if you're vegetarian, whatever your favorite veg dish is. So I think you got to start looking at diversifying some of the 
10, 11, 12 working hours we all do in a given day. And radio has, for the most part, always been somewhat more open to people doing something something outside the uh, broadcast paycheck in and of itself. So I think that's one thing. And then you asked about, you know, music versus talk. And I made a comment about that earlier. Uh, look, there's still, of course, a, a good place for music on the radio. I'm not saying that it's dead and it all needs to go uh, to, to talk formats. However, the reason why radio is sick more than COVID is because radio is obsessed on an ancient model that has eight zillion interruptive minutes of ads every hour. And until it fixes that disease, it's going to keep shrinking and getting to be a smaller business. Yeah, that's, yeah, an interesting, that's an interesting point on a couple of notes, actually, you know, and both of those things speak to the crunchiness that we're talking about. This stuff is going to continue to develop until solutions start to, you know, people are going to have to take risk. And somebody mentioned earlier about the podcast, you know, should you be doing podcast if you're a personality? Well, the answer to that question radiates around whether or not you can pick a compelling thing to do that represents you, that represents yep. to the brand that you're on. And then I will say this, no broadcast company is going to help manage your career. They no. don't care about your career. You are <laughs> responsible for that. Yeah. So what Elroy was talking about earlier, talking about your personal brand and how you do that and then intermingled that with what Rob just said, you know, look, you have to bring it and you have to be in control of managing that career for yourself because they won't. Bruce, do you have a question for our panel tonight? Yes, I do. I hope this topic wasn't covered because I did have to step away for a few minutes. I'm wondering if you have any advice for the best way to market and promote a new podcast hosted by totally unfamous people? <laughs> There's a big question. But, but, but you know, you, no, no, Bruce, that's a fair question. Do you know what? There are so many unfamous people that are doing podcasts today that are more popular than people on the radio. And, and the reason why they're famous is because, as Lloyd just indicated, you got to find a niche something unique to talk about that will gravitate people to want to follow your podcast. But if you're talking about hot topics, what everybody else is talking about, it is so boring. And the number one uh, what podcaster right now is what? Uh, Rogan. Uh, why? His stuff is so riveting. You want to uh, check, check him out. But you got to be different. I'm going to emphasize that until the day I die. If it's not different, it won't grab. I do want to add something else. Elvis Duran out of New York City. Do you know how many records he plays in the morning? Hmm, maybe, what, three or so? And I remember living in Philadelphia, listening to him on Q102, driving in. I'm like, I am so captured by this this show. Why? The, the content was more significant than the biggest record on this planet. Um, so, but again, if you're striving to do that, you just got to find a radio station that would allow you to expand your, your skills. And uh, the other thing, contracts. 
a lot of times we quickly sign contracts and we, yeah. don't, know what we don't know what we're signing because a lot of companies, i.e. Uh, contracts that I've signed, I just cannot go and have 14 different other revenue streams because I need to make sure that the company approves that. You want to yeah. do what, Elroy? Oh, look in your contract. You, you, you can't do that. So make sure that that contract um, is clear when you are about to sign it. I could not agree more. One thing I wanted to add too is make sure that you check your non-compete. Now there yeah. are right to work states, but I have seen several talents get blown out and become furious because they've got a six month sit down with somebody wanted to bring them across the street. Mm -hmm. Hey, one, one other quick thing for Bruce. Um, you know, when I started making original online series uh, in 06, I had contracts that signed my talent exclusively to my whack-ass company called My Damn Channel. Uh, about three, four, five years into it, some of my talent started to blow up. And a person that was working for me when I was 40-something was 20-something. And she came in one day and said, you're an idiot and your contracts are stupid. And I said, why? Go ahead, take your shot. And this woman said, you need to let our talent collab with other talent that's got a much bigger audience. This was early days of YouTube. And I looked at her and realized that I might have been 20 years older thinking I was 20 times smarter. She was 100 times smarter than me. And so let's take the early YouTube model and switch it back to your question, a non-famous podcaster. One of the ways you can build an audience the quickest is by trying to guest and invite guests on who have the biggest audiences possible. Yes. All right. Now, listen up. Everybody who's listening right now, I'm going to tell you something right now. When, when Skip and I got together and we talked about innovation and audio, one of the things that was really important to Skip, and I was totally on the amen wagon immediately, is we did not want to talk of the same old usual suspects about innovation in radio. We wanted to go outside. We wanted to do different things. We want to bring different innovators in. I'm going to tell you this right now. Okay, so if this idea about fame, how to develop fame, all of these things is important to you, I want you to know that in our podcast that is available, Innovation in Audio, one of our past episodes has a guy named Phil Garini. Phil Garini talked about, he is the CEO of the Jonas Group. He talked in a very different way about fame development. He usually works with team artists. He came out of the Disney uh, quadrant, if you will. And even the artists that he manages today, you know, he talks about fame. He talks about the kinds of fame. It's very, very different than anything you've probably heard. I highly recommend you do that. This subject is the reason it's okay for us to go over a little bit because we're having very fundamental discussion about something groundbreaking. I have two more people that want to ask questions tonight. Then we're going to wrap things up. Uh, Dee, do you have a question for somebody on our panel in innovation and audio tonight? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, and uh, good afternoon to everybody. Uh, Mr. Mr. Elroy Smith, Mr. Skip Dillard. Uh, hello, team two uh, hey, as well. Hey. All right. 
Hi. Um, so uh, my question is, well, it's, it's a two, two part question. Uh, well, the first question is, uh, what's the difference between a brand manager to a program director? And um, second question is, how important is it to live the format that you're working in? Thank you. I mean, I'd quickly say, um, you know, uh, a brand manager encompasses oversight of digital, uh, social media, especially. Um, I think today's program director, the idea of, you know, having record day and and uh, doing the music log and uh, hanging out with the talent. I mean, those days have, have been gone. So I think a brand manager has a good background in marketing. They may not have majored in it, um, but they have learned it and been a student of it and studied it. You know, I found that, uh, you know, you really are truly the quality control person when you start moving into branding because so much of branding uh, is digitally based. It's socially based, um, pop culturally based. Uh, for lack of a better term. So I think it just gets you a little bit deeper into the uh, psyche of, of listeners, why they listen, how they listen, and uh, data, data, data. You know, it's it's more research and more information. information. Well, and, it's and, branding, and branding is you everywhere. So it's, that's really what it is, trying to keep that message the same, trying to keep the, the, the pivot point uh, on point for what is going on. Premise, you've joined us. You have a question for our panel. Hey, Lloyd, uh, one, one thing. Yes, um, yes, please. Dee had a two-party question. Uh -oh. and the other qu It's okay. Uh, the other question was, how important is it to live the format? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, so Dee, um, I think it is super important why that personality comes across more natural. It does not sound forced. Uh, however, there are people that have studied the format to the point where they sound believable. But if I had a choice, I would rather put someone on the air that lives the format. 100%. Sure. That's it. 100% wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Premise, you got a question for our panel? We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, this is our last speaker. Well, actually, I'll bring Ernie on, too. But premise Hi. you first. Good evening, everyone. Hi, Lloyd. Thank you so much for allowing me to come to the stage. And um, as everyone else, I must thank my mentor, Skip Dillard, for informing us of this great uh, platform. And my question to the entire panel is, Yes, being innovative and different, I agree. Um, ancient radio, I agree. How does someone like myself who wants to be a talent, on an on-air talent, bring forth or push the idea of combining both talk radio and uh, talk and musical radio together so that you can break that ancient mold? that we currently have where you have to do for commercials and segments and things of that nature and talk specifically only about this, that, and the other. Sorry, I'm un unmuting. I, I guess my, my first question is, uh, if, if you can just bring her back up, Lloyd, so we, we can just engage with her for a sec. My, my first question is, are, are you doing it now? Because, you know, anything that you want to be um, – promoting to someone in exchange for a paycheck 
is something that no one is stopping you from doing on your own time and your own dime to make that pitch so much more interesting than just an email or a dreaded cover letter. So, you know, thank thing, you. Thing that one is, good. thing one is we should all be doing exactly what we want to do with all this new technology and all these platforms that make audio and video the, the most uh, free thing we could ever create without permission. Well, and look, other people are doing it. So, you know, you, you want to talk about how radio personalities may not have the most exciting podcast or the most followers. Why is that happening? Because somebody else is doing it. So it's up to us. We have the personalities that can do that. Ernie, do you have a question for uh, someone on our panel? Um, not quite. <laughs> uh, I just okay. heard a lot of questions. I heard a lot of answers. By the way, Elroy and Skip. Good to see you guys. Hey, I good to see you. this call. I well, well, Ernie, I, I just want to just quickly say um, thank you for uh, just being so brilliant in the days of radio and records. Ernie Singleton was uh, back in the day just a humongous radio and record executive. This guy was had the product always radio friendly, always willing to do uh, promotions with radio stations. Ernie, those days are over now. We miss those days. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift, guys. Yeah. Um, for, the, for somebody who made a comment about do you live the format, ideally, if you live the format, whoever asked that question, you then are mirroring to the to people who are, who are watching you that you don't know are watching you, you're mirroring to them yes. that you represent whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Let's take let's take sanity out of it because we're not talking about being insane. It's showtime. Whether mm -hmm. you're on the air, in person, personality, all that stuff comes into play. Um, whoever asks about the podcast and in the broadcast, you should do both. Yes, my, would be my statement. Guys, I, I, I've kind of lived as a brand manager. I, thanks, Elroy. I was general market number one in radio when I did radio, but that was so long ago. I don't, I don't want to even tell y'all when that was. <laughs> so, I, ever. so it, so it, it hasn't, hasn't changed, changed, right? I'm sorry. It's been a minute, right? Yeah, but it hasn't changed. There no, that's been. right. I love that you say that because I hear all these people talk about change. Look, here's how life works. There's ebbs and flows. There's circles. There's cycles. Okay. So even saying that the big days of this, that, and the other are gone. No, they're not. They're going to come back. It'll be in a different form, whatever. That's fine, right? I do. Yeah. I want to say this to everybody right now because I'm going to tell you, we try to keep this panel on Monday and Wednesday night to about an hour. I want you to check your watch right now. And I'm going to give the big compliment to everybody in our audience who is listening right now and everybody on this panel. Look what you've done. Okay. So I look, I want to thank Elroy Smith. I want to thank Rob Barnett 
for I mean, these guys were incredible, excellent guests tonight. Uh, they will be on this podcast in about an hour. And I want to thank Skip Dillard for creating this event and being such an excellent co-host. Don't forget to come back for Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We call it the Radio Rally. We're not kidding around. And Wednesday, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for innovation and audio. You can get updates on our guests. Our schedules are laid out all the way until September. You can get those at rainmakerpathway.com. Share the encouragers on Clubhouse with your radio and audio friends. If you're on Facebook, you can go to my Facebook page later tonight, L-O-Y-B-F-O-R-D, and you can share our new guest for next week. I'll be sharing that here in a few minutes. And we'll also share the podcast, but of course, it's going to be on iTunes and everywhere else within in the hour as well. Next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Innovation and Audio, we will have Sharina Rice, co-founder, chief scientific officer at Intivo. Wait till you see the innovation that Sharina is working on. I do want to thank you for being part of this live event. Thank you for being an encourager. Please be kinder than you have to be. And good night.